0: Today. Hello, Ollie. Hello. How in the name of everything beautiful and pretty are
1: you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, welcome. And I'm not going to ask how you are. Welcome right. to
0: Sustainable, because it's time consuming. Oh, Less so than having this argument. That's everyone's but... excuse. i just have to start <laughs> writing a note and giving it to people. I'm all right, thanks I'm for fine. not asking. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry,
1: sorry. Well... Now that you've told us we're all fine and we've had this pointless argument, we can carry on with the show. Welcome to Sustainable Evil number 44. This week, we are going to be talking about Reactions. So, we're going to be talking about nuclear power because you have a big nuclear reaction and it's all big and scary and we have things we have to say about it. Quite a lot of things we have to say about it. We are also going to be talking about, well, you know, in the wrong context, you get quite a reaction if you say the word beaver. Uh, So, we're going to be talking about some beavers. Yay! The other thing we'd like to talk about, um, well... What happens when you go uh, up a mountain and um, chop it off and then dump it all into a pristine Norwegian fjord?
0: Well, you get some sort of reaction, don't you?
1: Yeah, you do. And we're going to talk about that reaction. And, And finally, I would like to talk about those nasty, evil local authorities, councils trying to do their own thing in reactionary ways, like the reactionaries that they are. Boo, local authorities
0: be subservient to george osborne like you're supposed to okay so uh just the usual disclaimer we do work for environment charities but these are very much our own views so if something that you hear from us causes a reaction in you please don't have some sort of reaction at the people we work for but instead react in our direction or ideally just react by turning the podcast off and going away very good. Shall we get on with it, Dave? Let's press the button. You can cut that. <laughs> Thanks, I-, I can do the sound effect.
1: It's a of the week. Nice beaver. Thank you. I just had it stuffed. Let me help you with that. So, Sustainer Babble of the Week. This is the section where we have a little look on our search engine of choice and see who's been talking nonsense, who has been talking egregious eco-guff, trying to make it sound like they're green when they ain't. This week, who have we got? Beavers.
0: Oh... Everyone loves a beaver. Everyone loves a little beaver, don't they? They um, do. For a while, beavers were everywhere, and then beavers pretty much went away, and now I've noticed beavers are coming back. Beavers were all over Europe, weren't they? I uh, oh, just can't be... I'm just not grown up enough to do this properly, Dave. <laughs> I'll help you out, right? Um, So, beavers are good for the environment. This is what's been discovered by some Scottish scientists up in Stirling, which is in Scotland. Um, And they were looking at beavers. And they were looking at beavers that um, got reintroduced into Scotland uh, about 13 or 14 years ago now. Um, And uh, down here, you may remember we talked about beavers last year, and you said that the reintroduction of beavers into the Otter River in Devon was some sort of reason to be very excited, and I said, yeah, all right, it was just a few flaming beavers. And uh, they've had beavers up in Scotland for a while, um, and what they were looking at is whether or not having the beavers back has proved to be a good or a bad thing for the ecosystem and the environment upon which the beavers have squatted. Right. Yeah. Um, and they had a look, and they said basically the beavers are good. The beavers uh, help reduce flooding because they make like those dams, and they hold back the floodwaters a bit. And they uh, reduce pollution because the water doesn't flow. Why does that?
1: I think they. I think they reduce pollution because they build their dams. Uh, effectively, sort of filter stuff, don't they? They they create quite clever filtration things going on.
0: However, and this is where the babble comes in, the authors said that you have to weigh these benefits about the fact that they have some negative impacts on fisheries and farm crops.
1: Yeah, well, you know, all right, fair enough. Very sciencey, very balanced and um, sensible and unemotive. You've got to weigh these benefits against... Occasional negative impacts, I mean, quite apart from the fact that it's a pretty extraordinary thing to be talking about, whether or not it's a good thing that an animal that, you know, through evolution decided it wanted to live in these places and then got killed is now back is a strange is a strange thing but we'll we'll leave that to one side um but then you know as with all good bits of reporting um you've got and this is the tech times techtimes.com we're looking at branching out our readership all, all your
0: beaver news uh, go yeah. to the tech newspaper
1: <laughs> exactly uh and they they then go on to see if anyone else wants to make a comment and surprisingly enough those chaps at the uh the National Farmers' Union want to get in on the act, don't they? and Well, what, what do they have to say about it, Arabella? What have they got to say on the subject of beavers? As soon as they become a self-sustaining population, they become more protected than you and your child.
0: So what do you suppose they mean by that? So how protected do you think you and your child are? You don't have a child thank heavens, Um, but if you did, um, how protected would it be? Not protected enough, I would warrant, Um, but let's assume that we're talking about someone else. If I had a child, how protected would that child be? Bad example also. How protected are kids? I don't know. Why, why are kids less well protected than beavers what does he mean
1: what does he mean it, what on earth does he mean by that that just that sounds like the kind of oh this is political correctness gone mad type complaint which doesn't mean anything it's a made-up thing is, is he suggesting that you know should you should somebody i don't know let's say poison a child they would face less punishment than should they poison a beaver i mean Obviously, that's bollocks. Obviously, that is complete and utter nonsense. It's a
0: ridiculous thing to say. And it's the other bit as well, the idea, as soon as they become a self-sustaining population, they become more protected than you and your child. It sounds like the language you use against... Asylum seekers, all that sort of horrible thing. It's like, oh, I don't mind one or two of them over here, but as soon as they can have kids and replicate, they'll be getting (laughs) on our buses, clogging up our motorways, going to our schools. They'll want their phone books in flaming beaver. They'll want to have beaver (laughs) television programs, a special beaver radio stations coming over here, telling us how to build dams. (laughs) This is a very
1: emotive topic, he says. They look very good. What what he means what he means by that is it's an animal and Unfortunately, people would prefer that we don't just kill animals, but people are stupid. Same with bees. Oh, well, bees are animals and fluffy and people like them, but if we, the NFU, would prefer that we could kill them. Oh, it's very emotive. That's such, a, that's such a loaded term, isn't it? Oh, stop being emotive, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, you're getting very emotional about all this. Yeah, well, maybe I am. Maybe because I want you to stop killing things that just are trying to live here and build their homes and, you know... Protect our bloody houses! Go away.
0: God, oh, I love that song. Oh, that uh, that their chain reaction's great, isn't it? Oh, it's lovely. Very Although, nice. do you know what it's about?
1: No, no, I don't, and I don't have time to Google it while we're talking.
0: It is really naughty. It's about. You know how when a mummy beaver and a daddy beaver love each other in a very special way... Oh God, you're creepy. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> yeah, and you know how um, the mummy beaver sometimes enjoys herself a lot? Yes. Mm, yes. And you, sometimes if mummy beaver has been particularly well um, enjoyed, oh. she might uh, enjoy herself Corrible. more than once. Yes. It's about that. Mul- multiple times. Multiple, multiple chain reactions is about what that song's about. And when you know that and you listen to the lyrics, it's just totally disgusting in a good way. Well, it's rather
1: a beautiful experience, isn't it? I mean, I've I'm not been a mummy beaver myself, <laughs> but. Uh.
0: Absolutely no idea. <laughs>
1: Anyway, uh, moving on, (laughs) moving on from um, Mrs. Ross and her reactions, we did want to talk about this here nuclear power, which if anyone pays any attention to the whole world of environmental debate, uh, you will know that it is a bone of contention for a lot of people. People have views about nuclear, and we have views about nuclear, and I don't think they're entirely aligned
0: Well, we'll see about that, won't we? So uh, a bit of a step back. Here's what's going on here in the Great Britain country of United Kingdom only, right? What's going on is that we have got some nuclear power stations. We've had them for a while and they've been gently shutting because for years and years and years and years and years we didn't build any more. We basically said that's expensive and we're not doing that no more, right? Yes? Yes. Yeah. And uh, 10 years ago, pretty much exactly 10 years ago, um, your man, internationally renowned warmonger and friend of the stars, Tony Blair, decided that he wanted to have some more. 2006, that was. That's how long this has been going on for. Um, so, this very expensive hoo ha then unfolded, whereby the government said, We want to get a nuclear power station. Um, and they have ended up through a very long and torturous process that I can't be bothered to go into because it's dull. They've ended in up. Those
1: phrases like contracts for difference.
0: Yes, contracts and, for difference and in and megawatt hour strike prices reform. and. Mm. Um, and it also involved shoving your nose very far up the bottom of the French and the Chinese. and um, we can talk about that in a minute.
1: Anyway, so we are now in a position where they have decided that a new power station will get built in Somerset, your former parish Dave. Yeah, terrifyingly
0: um, close to uh, where I used to live. Really, really, really close. I went there once. I went to the beach in a place called... Burnham-on-Sea, which is just right next to, pretty close to my old house, and right next to where the massive, Great uh, existing nuclear power station at Hinkley Point is, and they're going to build another one there, and uh, it's pretty horrible and scary looking out at that nuclear power station. I had a cup of tea once in a nuclear power station in Scotland, in Dunray. I was cycling past it, and I had a cup of tea in it, and all the way through having a cup of tea in it, I imagined I could hear this low humming noise coming from the <laughs> cup of tea, but I don't think I could. I think that was just coming from my cycling shorts. Uh, Right. Well, yes. So Hinkley Point C is
1: the place and the power station that the government have committed to. And boy, have they committed to it. They have been rolling over backwards, bending over backwards, rolling out the red carpet, because it's going to be expensive. And there was, for a long time during the last government, the oft-repeated mantra that there will be no public subsidy for new nuclear. (laughs) That's bollocks. (laughs) they didn't really mean that. But they kept claiming they meant it. And for five long years of the coalition, they maintained that that was the line. And it's one of the few things I've got respect for of what the Tories have done since coming in all on their own. They said, yeah, it is a public subsidy. Like, they're just shameless about it now. Yeah, we are going to pay for it because we think it's important. The reason that's an issue is because this thing is going to be dear emulsively mm. expensive yeah. we are talking what, what are we talking dave what's the latest projected
0: price uh, well the numbers do seem to change all the time but to build this one nuclear power plant in somerset they reckon the capital cost i.e. the cost of actually building the thing is going to be 18 billion pounds right it's a
1: lot of billion pounds it's
0: an extraordinarily large amount of money i shudder to think how many solar panels you could put. If you work this out probably at some point, video, like a lot, a, a lot, lot of solar lot. panels or yeah. like exactly how many brown winged fritillaries you could save from certain death or precisely how many hedgehogs you could put into an elevated winch and take away from fires. Like you could do a lot with that money. That is a lot of cash. And to do you it, could just,
1: you could just give that money to people who don't have any money. I mean, call me a you know raging socialist, but, you could probably sort out some quite bad social problems with that sort of cat uh, this is the band Radical Posture and uh, my name's Alexi Yuri
0: Gagarin Siege of Stalingrad Glorious Five Year Plan Sputnik Tractor Moscow Dynamo Back 4 Bolovsky. <laughs> My dad was a bit of a communist, you know what I mean? Like so here's what we know, right? We know that uh, Hinkley is going to be expensive, we know it's probably going to be late, we know it might not even get built. The uh, EDF are having some colossal great share price problems at the moment. Apparently the entire yeah. value of their company has fallen so low that it's worth as much as the value of Hinkley is, so they have to, they're on the hook for building this thing, which is worth as much as the thing, that, that, uh, as their total value of their company. Like so um,
1: you're, you're a clever economics person, explain why that's a problem, because I get a
0: bit lost in all of
1: these these
0: sort of things figures and you know balance sheets and stuff why is that bad it's bad because one of one of the reasons that their share price has fallen so low is because they're not getting these blinking nuclear power stations built so people are going i don't trust you to build that nuclear power station meanwhile they're on the hook to build it but if it's like you going to the bank and saying um i earn i don't know what do you earn two pound 50 a week or something can i have a loan for another two pound 50 and a bank would say what do you want to do with it? And you'd say, well, I want to buy, a nu- build a nuclear power station. And they go, no, I don't think it's a very good idea actually, because if you don't get it done, you won't be able to afford it. So it's like that. It's like a mortgage, same principle, right? Okay. Like you you need to, if if you are asking to build something that's like worth literally twice the value of your company, uh, your financiers might go, I'm not sure that's a very good idea, mate. Mm. And this is the thing I don't get, right? So um, I, I don't get it because I don't understand how you build a nuclear power station, right? So I I genuinely don't get this. I don't understand how anything in the world, I don't understand how a thing, how it is possible to conceive of something that humans can build, can cost Mm. 18 billion pounds, right? I don't understand why this thing is so expensive. I don't. Get it. And I have a suspicion that what's going on isn't really a suspicion at all. That basically what's happened is we have gone to uh, the world, will you come and build a nuclear power station for us, please? And the world has gone, I don't know, Gov, it'll cost you, you know. And and we have gone, well, we need to have a nuclear power station because we said we need to have one. And the world has gone, well, that'll cost you an extremely large amount of money then. And uh, the government's gone, all right. But um, now, Here's the thing, right? We have here oh, a you
1: got your serious face on. Uh-huh. I
0: have. We have here a problem. We have here an extremely expensive thing which may or may not get built, but the extremely expensive thing is being built to save the planet. So, why then is it such a bad idea? And what I mean by that is this, right? The climate change is a problem, and everything that seems expensive today that you might do to fix it is not as expensive as having it happen to you in the first place. So uh, it might be expensive to build a nuclear power station, but then you get nice, clean energy for a very long time. And what you don't get is the death of all the kittens and all the trees falling into the river and everyone dying and being upset, right? So it is expensive, but why is it such... Explain to me, why is it such a kind of bête noir of the environmental movement? Why do people get so upset about it? Lots of stuff is expensive. Putting solar panels everywhere is expensive. So why do we get so upset yeah. about nuclear?
1: Mm, right, well, to pick you up on that, tell me, is putting solar panels everywhere getting more or less expensive?
0: Less expensive.
1: Mm. How much less expensive has it got since we first started putting solar panels everywhere in 2010? Squillions less expensive. Yeah, and prices dropped by about 80%. Yeah. And that's the direction of travel for renewables because more and more people are doing them. Direction Hmm? of travel. I've had a very long week (laughs) and I can only apologise. I think you you can tell by the gruffness of my voice anyway uh renewables getting cheaper this is happening the world over we've talked about it's been various reasons to be cheerful in previous episodes but wind power solar power in particular are just getting really really cheap to the point where subsidy isn't really needed and the more people do it the more it gets cheaper nuclear power is going in precisely the opposite direction and not only that this isn't a new thing nuclear isn't just been invented and it turns out it's really expensive but hopefully in a couple of years it'll get cheaper this is the stuff that back in the 50s and 60s when it was first uh, moved away from making nasty great big bombs and into something that we could generate electricity from uh, was billed as going to produce electricity too cheap to meter we wouldn't even be able to Charge for this stuff because it was just going to be a never-ending source of cheap plentiful electricity and after 60 years of enormous state subsidies just getting back to the hilt by successive governments and paid for through the nose by taxpayers it's still
0: eye-wateringly expensive okay so look it's ex- it's expensive but you haven't answered the question right it's the question? expensive well it's expensive but it gives us isn't Hinkley going to provide by itself several percents of the UK's electricity or something like you get? It's expensive, but you get a massive watch for it, right? Yeah, you, and, do, you do. You do get a big
1: wodge for it. And the existing yeah. reactors that we've got just about running in the UK uh, do about a, a gigawatt of power each. which is Which is a lot. Yeah, which is a lot. Um, uh, and, and Hinkley's going to be bigger than that. Hinkley's yeah. going to be massive. I think it's something like three and a half or four gigawatts. So this is massive. But we've just built... Well, we keep building the biggest offshore wind farm in the world. Every new offshore wind farm that goes on uh, online in, in the UK is the biggest in the world pretty much. And they're now of the magnitude of like two to three gigawatts themselves. And I tell you what, they take a hell of a lot less time to build than the than, uh, than nuclear reactors do. Um, just to go back to your previous question about why do people sort of get in a fuss about it? It isn't only the cost, is it? It's not. It's not only that. There is and always has been this unresolved question, trifling little, piddly little issue of what do you do with the colossal amounts of nuclear waste? Where does it go? Where do you bury it? Australia. How do you tell? How do you tell future future generations?
0: No, no, I'm, I'm serious. There's a thing in the paper last week where Australia actively wants people to come and bury nuclear waste in the middle of its deserts, right? Cuz they've got like mars and mars and mars of bugger all and no one lives there. They haven't the best thing about it is they themselves don't want to do nuclear, but they're quite happy to be the place in the world where people come and dump its waste. Uh, yeah okay so you've got to find somewhere to bung all this stuff right but there was a thing also that i saw last week saying that they've now got magic cement oh good yeah so um that one, fun. one of your problems with and this is this is i i admit this is not a trifling matter right if the, if you've got uh, a room full of nuclear waste and you want to like, you can't just gaffer tape it up and put a sign on the door saying oh very bad uh very nasty please don't go in here right you can't do that because that has to be kept safe for a hundred thousand years which is an extremely long time and that's so long
1: this this is sorry to interrupt but that is it's one of the things that really fascinates me because there are i have it on good authority there are teams of people in all seriousness working out how the hell do you communicate this to uh, people who will have developed culturally to something we can't possibly imagine. Like 100,000 years from now, you know, language might not be a thing or what are the, how are we going to tell them not to do this stuff? And ideas they've come up with include radioactive cats. Go on. So, so you just I'm, you make, I'm all ears you make cats glow when they get near this stuff so you breed you breed cats to effectively be kind of warning vessels you don't go anywhere near them but the, the idea that they've completely they've settled on is that uh, why cats to, in particular to, I don't know I don't why know. cats
0: rather than like I don't know bats or rats <laughs> why cats Cats are just. Why not just radioactive? Why not not radioactive? Why can't you just have Geiger counters? Why do they need to make a bloody radioactive cat?
1: Because a Geiger counter will will run out of power and you know it will break, whereas cats will keep breeding. And anyway, in a similar vein, the other thing apparently the best uh, the best solution they come up with is to create a religion because they reckon the only way you can successfully pass stories down. Uh, from generation to generation is, is through some sort of mythology or, or, or religion, and that is the way to keep it alive. So they're gonna, they're considering how you would, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it would work, but basically, some sort of cult of don't go in there, it's bad, which um, gets told from generation to generation
0: thought this through at all. Anyway, they've got magic <laughs> cement. That's what's going on. So the, one of the problems is a hundred thousand years. Uh, obviously, there is nothing that we have ever built that we can say for sure will last a hundred thousand years, on account of how we haven't been around for a hundred thousand years to test it. And they're pretty sure that cement, if you uh, leave it for a hundred thousand years, goes all manky and falls off, right? But they reckon they've come up with some special cement now, which they think can last for a hundred thousand years. Exactly how they've satisfied themselves that this is true, I don't know so but it, but this is the thing right so if you don't have if if the government does what everyone's saying it should do and cancel this here very expensive nuclear power station what do you actually think in practice they're going to do instead they're not going to go gas gas gas, yeah, gas exactly they're not going to gas there's going to be a lot of gas they're not going to go oh well fair enough we've seen the light now we're going to cover everything with moonbeams and sunshine right they're not going to do that they're going to build gas they're going to build fossil fuels right so this is the thing in practice this government um, if it doesn't get the only reason it wants to do nuclear in the first place is because of this thing that you get upset about and I know you get upset about it and i can detect that you're about to get upset about it again but this thing called intermittency so the point is that the government said i'm just saying what they said i'm just telling you what they said Mm. take it up with them they Mm -hmm. say that you need to have if you've got a energy system that is built around things that go on and off depending if it's sunny or windy um that you need to have something underneath that which uh, is always running right and that thing they say and you know i'm not going to argue with them on this should be low carbon so um Is what you're saying that actually we don't need that thing running under it at all, or what?
1: No, I don't think we should necessarily shut down all of our nuclear power stations now. And I don't think we should necessarily shut down all our fossil fuel power stations now for for precisely that reason. Because things would go very dark very quickly if we turn those switches off now. But I think, and this comes a little bit back to what you said before, I think we're now at the point where what governments decide to do is actually becoming less important on this. Because renewables are now, they're winning, right? They're taking off despite everything this government's doing globally it's just going boom, uh, in, in a good no, way no, not no, bad, n- not bad bad, bad, bad. bad, bad. yeah <laughs> and i think that the big money people are just going to be thinking well i want to i want to build renewables because you know even without subsidy now they're just going to make a lot of money and they're going to be um, they're going to be affordable and we talked about it in the past we're now getting to the time where storage is becoming really really viable so your nice man elon musk who is this kind of charismatic guy who runs the company that does tesla cars and all the rest of it he's now got the first of these went in in wales the other day home energy storage big batteries you stick on the wall and they crucially they look good they look like an apple product they're all stylish and if you've got solar panels on your roof that are chunking out electricity during the day, which is a bit useless because you're not there, now it's not useless because you can store it and use it at night when you're in. And this sort of stuff, I think, is going to change things far, far faster than a nuclear power station we've got to wait 15 years to build. So I think, you know, it's just going to be the wrong question that they're trying to answer when it finally comes to it. Hello, I'm Chris Packham, and you're listening to Babel. So, Inhofe time. Yay. Inhofe is the name of a senator in America. And we don't like him very much, do we, Dave? Because he is a (laughs) bullsack.
0: Very good. This is getting more palatable, I have to say. This, um, uh, yes, is much better than when you called him all those other terrible things. Um, I'm not going to repeat now for
1: reasons of brevity. Uh, yeah, he's a bullsack because he thinks climate change <laughs> is made up simply due to the fact that there's still some snow. So we named a section of the show after him in which we honour other bullsacks for being <laughs> bullsacky. And this week's bullsack <laughs> is the Secretary of State. For communities and local government. That is a phrase I never thought I'd say, <laughs> let alone put out into the ether. There we go. His yes.
0: name is Greg Clark and he's been a bullsack. Why has he been a bullsack, Dave? First, I would just like to say if Mr. Clark or indeed any of his lawyers are listening, we are not actually calling you a bullsack. It is a metaphor for the purposes of comedy, right? Um, so, what he has done is. Do you want to believe that, I <laughs> suppose? That's fine. What he's done, um, what it looks like from the outside that he's done, the headline of what he's done, is he has said that councils are not allowed to sell their shares in oil and gas. That's what it looks like. That's what everyone's very upset about anyway so this is divestment so we've talked about divestment before or we did a special episode on it way back in episode number five and we've talked about it for ages and ages and ages all the way through and divestment is the idea that um we need to keep most of the fossil fuels that are currently in the ground in the ground and in order to do that it's probably a good idea to sell the shares that you've got in massive oil and coal and gas companies like BP and Shell. And indeed, people have been selling shares in them. Go back and listen to some Scharnold-Freuder for a couple of weeks ago. Right. So that's what divestment is. Now, there is campaigning that is trying to get councils, local authorities, to sell the shares of their pension funds. Um, in oil and gas and it sounds like a good idea so it's, it's a good idea it's a good idea for all sorts of reasons it's a good idea because uh it might help save the planet and it's a good idea because the oil price is so low do you see it's, it's so low that even pirates don't want to steal oil anymore <laughs> did you see this i did it was a wonderful wonderful piece
1: Yeah, apparently this is big, big business. I suppose it would be if you're an oil tanker shipping around millions of dollars worth of a commodity that someone's going to try and steal it. But now the effort of of these piracy um, episodes is such that it's just not worth it anymore because it's so cheap to sell and buy oil. Crikey, Moses. I
0: suppose piracy is an expensive business, what with parrot food and wear and tear (laughs) on planks and all that sort of stuff. (laughs) Anyway, so what's Mr Clark done about it?
1: Well, he said, he said this isn't allowed anymore. He has said, uh, well, at least a spokesman for him said, uh, the council should not be using pensions and procurement policies. Do you want to explain to the class what a procurement policy is, Dave?
0: Yeah, it's a policy that guides what you procure.
1: Thank you uh, to pursue, pursue their own boycotts and sanctions, we are reminding councils of the rules to ensure taxpayers and the uk 's interests are protected so he 's basically saying, "Look, stop doing all this um, you 're not allowed and I mean he goes on to say something about it being a risk to national security. obviously everything
0: this government disagrees with is framed as a risk to national security. <laughs> So, uh, at least in theory, what's happening here is that the government is saying you're not allowed to pick and choose who you do business with if that contravenes national policy. And specifically, the reason why fossil fuels come into it is because they've said that where there is a non-financial reason why you're doing it, you need to be very blinking careful, right? But the problem is that actually, the the originally, when people started talking about divestment, um, they were doing it for a couple of reasons. Firstly, to le- you know, to pull your shares out of something horrible and make it toxic and whatnot. But also because chances are those shares are going to go bad because we're, you know, we're, th- we've just had the Mahusa great climate shindig in Paris, and the world has agreed that it needs to leave loads of fossil fuels in the ground. So if you've got shares in an oil company that requires it to get all them fossil fuels out, it might not be a very good investment, right? So yeah. it's not even,
1: even your man Mark Carney, the big Mark chief Carney, bank yeah. man from Canada. Uh, as I believe his business card reads, he described fossil fuel, um, well, fossil fuels as stranded assets. He he was basically saying these are a risky investment. Um, so I don't quite get how councils can be attacked for you know removing their their money from that particular dying off.
0: And that's the thing. And that's why this is, uh, it's why Mr. Clark and his team are a bunch of Inhoffs this week, right? It's not because they have necessarily said to councils, you can and can't put your money into particular things. I mean, that, you know, that's not a particularly nice thing to do. But it isn't the main reason that I'm irked with them. The bigger reason is that they don't understand... The economic consequences of what the world has just agreed to do on climate change, right? This isn't about a bunch of hippies saying, oh, I don't like my money in stinky oil. It's about the world going, well, look, if we're not going to burn most of that oil, then it's not a very good idea to invest massively in companies that plan to burn all of that oil, is it? It's a financial decision, first and foremost. So also, can I can I squeeze another one in? Can I have some honorary inhoffs oh, you always this? Week? Squeeze another one in. Yeah, go on. Stop it. Um can I have the honorary inhoffs of the people on that beach in Argentina please?
1: Well, yeah, I suppose you can. There's our friend, um, Alistair Cameron, uh, who rightly said humans are being a right bunch of pricks about this. Uh, <laughs> this, this is the story that sort of got circulated around the uh, the internet about this poor little blinking dolphin mm. who apparently, apparently, was hauled out from the water in Argentina, and a horde of people posed for selfies with the poor little thing while it cooked in the sun, because you know, they've got big, fatty, blubbery skin, which is supposed to keep them warm in the cold water, overheated, died and then just got dumped on the sand, and everyone went, that's awful. So yeah, what a bunch of Inhoffs. Or are they? Dan? Well,
0: I mean, they are a bunch of Inhoffs anyway, but the uh, it has been... Uh, something wasn't quite right about this story when I first saw it, because it was all a little bit sort of like one little internet thing that became a story that became something else. Some people are claiming that the dolphin washed up dead, and so it was a load of people posing with a dead dolphin. But I, yeah, the I mean, tourist okay, he, who
1: was there said that, that, that yeah, a bunch I, of I, them washed up dead, didn't they?
0: I don't know if it really matters. I don't think, even if, you were saying this to me, I mean, even if, like, if a dead cat washed up on the beach, and a load of tourists gathered round and took selfies with it and passed it round, you'd, you'd say that was a bit blinking horrible wouldn't you like it's not it's not exactly humanity at its finest it's it's not (laughs) like a mozart symphony or mankind building a bridge between countries or something like that is it it's a bunch of tits posing with a dead animal (laughs) at the very least it was dead already and maybe they made it dead it's not great
1: anteon So anti-inhof time for every ballsack there is of course an opposite an equal bullsack. and this oh, I don't really want to call them this but um you know this this week's opposite and equal ballsacks are some rather splendid young activists up in Norway who have been protesting about some really quite inhofish behavior Um, in and around some lovely, beautiful fjords, which
0: you will remember we talked about in episode 16. Um, The Norwegian government has basically said a mining company can go up to a mountain near to one of these fjords, mine the hell out of it and bung all of what comes down as a result into the fjord. In so doing, knackering the things that live in the fjords, right? It's called the Fjord Fjord. (laughs) Perde <laughs> Fjord? Uh, one of the cleanest fjords, apparently, on the West Coast. Unique ecosystem, uh, which and uh, basically you knacker all the things that live in it if you dump all of this mountain residue into it. So we've talked about that, but then to the rescue have come some anti-Inhoffs. Yay! What do they look like? They look like young people. They look like young Apple-faced Norwegian activist Andy Inhoffs. And what they've done is they've been going (laughs) up this mountain um, and they've been going up it and chaining themselves to the machinery... That is being used to lop off the top of this mountain. Um, And some of them are going up every day and they get nicked and they get told to go away and they go away and they get told, you must not come back here. So they don't come back here And their mates go up the next day as well. And they keep doing it every day. A whole new bunch of young, apple faced, uh, enthusiastic Norwegians who apparently don't have jobs um, go up and chain themselves to this machinery. And it keeps on happening. And it's just, I love seeing this kind of thing. I love seeing people doing what I don't have the guts to do which is be prepared to get nicked for something they believe in so that is just about it
1: for another babbly woo Uh, episode 44 that was which means next week we'll be back with number
0: 45 you got the hang of this numbering thing then very good
1: I am all over it Dave
0: we will be back next week thank you very much for being so pretty and attentive and for resisting my poking with the babble stick mm. um, thank you As stop w- that one of these days won't you thank you to the magnificently beavered Dickie Moore for the music <laughs> that starts ends and int- twinkles his podcast and thank you as always to Arabella
1: yes, for reading out leave
0: the leave that right there <laughs> thank you oh blimey if you would like to
1: get in touch and tell us that what we babbled about was rubbish or in fact that it was lovely then you can do so in a number of ways do tweet us at the babble wagon search on facebook for sustainababble and you can send us an email to hello at sustainababble.fish thank you very much all and i hope you have a very very lovely week
0: okay shall we say bye-bye now bye-bye now, I- bye now. bye-bye now bye-bye now bye now